Man, I love that song. I know many of you are hearing it for the first time. We'll try and do that one over the next couple of weeks so that we can learn it. <clears throat> Again, I want to welcome everyone here today. Also want to welcome those of you who are tuning in online. We have several people who watch every week, and we are just so glad to have you worshiping with us, and we're glad uh, that you're tuning in today. Thank you, brother. <clears throat> I'm sorry, y'all. I've got something in my throat today. Didn't want to get out. But anyway, we're so glad that you're here. And I want to begin today's lesson with a question. How many of you have ever heard this statement before? I had rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Okay, several of you have heard that before. Um, don't get excited. You're still going to hear a sermon today. Okay? I'm still going to preach a lesson. But I really do believe that this statement encompasses everything that we've been talking about in this series on the fruit of the Spirit. Because as we study the fruit of the Spirit, we see these character traits that the Holy Spirit wants to be seen in us. Not just talked about, but modeled, seen by the rest of the world. Because when we live these things out, and we've talked about this throughout this series, we make an impact on this world for the Lord. And so look at, me, or look at uh, this particular text with me this morning, Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23. These are the character traits. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, in week number one, we talked about love and kindness and how these two are linked. We said that kindness is love in action. Right? And then in week number two, we talked about joy and goodness. And we talked about how doing good, putting others first, leads to a deep, soul-satisfying joy. Then in week number three, we talked about these three, peace, patience, and gentleness. And we talked about how our gentleness grows as our patience grows, and how our patience grows when we endure trials and how our peace actually grows when we get to the point where we, where we can focus on what we know is true about God. And let me tell you something, if you missed any of those lessons, I want to encourage you to go back and you can listen to them off of our website or off our, our Facebook page, or we also have a podcast. But go back and, and listen to those lessons if you've missed. But today, we're going to be talking about faithfulness. How as Christians we are to display and model faithfulness in our lives. But I want to begin with a question this morning. We'll kind of go to the opposite side of faithfulness. How many of you have ever been kind? How many of you have ever been scammed? I'll never forget... Several years ago, we lived in Alabama. I received a phone call at the church office, 
And it was a guy who told me that one of our elders, and he mentioned him by name, had taken out an ad on the internet to advertise our congregation. And he told me, he said, he never paid us. And I was like, well, how much was the ad? And he said, it's $1,500 a year. And back then, I'm thinking, whoa, that's a lot of money. I can't believe he did that. But it was $1,500. And he said, yeah, he, he hasn't paid us yet. We need our money. In fact, we need it by the end of the, of the day today. And if we don't have it by the end of the day, we're going to hit you with a late fee. And it was something astronomical, like $500 extra in late fees. And I'm like, look, I don't have any ties to the money. You know, I'm just a minister. Um, I would have to talk to this elder. There's really nothing I can do. And so he said, well, just know you're going to cost the church $500. And and I said, oh, okay, okay. I said, let let me just try and get in touch with him. I, I put the phone down. I called him on my cell phone. Couldn't get through to him. So I'm like, oh man, what do I do? So I started talking to the guy. I'm like, look, really, this has nothing to do with me. I don't have any money to pay you. He said, yes, but you could confirm with your voice that y'all will pay it. He says, I'll I'll just record you saying that, and then y'all can come back and pay for it later. And I was like, I really don't feel comfortable. I'm not the one who took out the ad. I said, let me call him one more time. So I put the phone down, called this particular elder on my cell phone. He still didn't answer. And and it's like 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They're going to be closing down at 5. And all I could think is, man, I'm going to be costing the church another $500. And I was like, I don't have to pay anything. No, all you got to do is confirm with your voice. And so I was like, okay. So anyway, he records me saying yes. Um, we will make sure that we pay you the $1,500 that we owe you. Hung up with him later on that night, finally got in touch with the particular elder that he mentioned by name, and he said, I didn't take out an ad. I said, you're you're kidding me. And he said, no, I I didn't do that. And I I, explained everything to him. He told me that you took out an ad, gave me your name, $1,500. If we didn't pay him or at least confirm today that we would pay them, it was going to be another $500. I said, I tried to get in touch with you. I couldn't. And so I, I thought I was doing the best thing. I confirmed. You know, it was recorded that we would pay them. And he, man, he was, he was a little bit upset with me. But I didn't know what to do. And so anyway, after I hung up with him, I just started thinking everything through. And I was like, you know, I wonder if this is a scam. So I got on and I Googled it. And sure enough, it came up. It was a scam. I'd been conned. And so anyway, I I knew a a lawyer. He's a friend of mine. And so I called him up, explained everything to him. He goes, don't pay them anything. I said, but I confirmed that we would pay them. He could take us to court. He goes, what judge is going to sit there and side with a guy who just conned or scammed the church? He knows you're not going to do it. He's just trying to force your hand in doing it. And I was like, okay. So anyway, sure enough, the guy called back like a couple of days later asking, you know, when we were going to pay, when we were going to send the money. And I said, look, I've discovered that this is a scam. You conned me. And I said, we're not paying you anything. And I said, in fact, we've contacted a lawyer. And listen, this is not going to hold up in court. And well, he was a little upset as well. But you know, when you've been conned, 
When you've been scammed, it makes it really hard to trust again, doesn't it? You tend to look at everything and everyone with just a little hint of suspicion. But maybe it's not that you've been kind. Maybe that you've been the recipient of a broken promise. Maybe your spouse made a promise to you and they weren't faithful in carrying that through. Or maybe as a parent, you know, you, you haven't been able to trust your son or your, your daughter or anything that they say because you've caught them in one lie after another. Or, or maybe you shared something confidential with a very close friend only to find out several weeks later that they had shared that with some other people. Man, that, that really hurt. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, yeah, I've been the recipient of that in my life, and, and I just hate it when people do that kind of stuff. But if the truth be told, all of us are less than faithful at times, right? Every single one of us. And yet as Christians, we're called to be faithful. What does that word faithfulness even mean? Well, by definition, it means loyal, trustworthy, dedicated, being true to one's word or commitment. And the only one that really fits that description perfectly is God, right? As we sang, He is faithful. I don't know where you are in your relationship with God or if you even have a relationship with God this morning, but I want you to know this morning that God can always be trusted. There's no scam. There's no con. There's no broken promises. In fact, he's incapable of doing that, right? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 says that it is impossible for God to what? To lie. Did you realize there's something that God can't do? And, and he can't do this because of his own character. He won't allow himself to do it. God will not allow himself. To lie. And that's good news. He's faithful. How many of you remember Cliff Notes growing up? Okay. Remember those little thin yellow pamphlets that would basically give you a summary of the book you were supposed to read? Right? And then you would use that summary as your book report or to write your book report. Come on. Well, what I want to do is I want to give you the Cliff Note version of the Bible. I want to sum it up. And now, don't misunderstand me. I want you to still read the Bible, okay? Because it's awesome. It will absolutely change your life. 
But the Bible can pretty much be summed up like this. God longs for a relationship with people like us. And some of you may think, well, that's awesome, but that little part you put in at the end, people like us, what what exactly do you mean by that? People who are sinners. People who are unfaithful. And because of that, we have broke the relationship. And so God, in His faithfulness, has moved throughout history to restore that broken relationship with people like us. In fact, look at Romans chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 8 through 10. And I'm going to be using the International English Bible this morning. And and I'm letting you know that because it was actually translated by Dr. Stanley Morris, who's passed away recently, but his wife has been visiting with us for the last two weeks. She's now going back to Nashville. But she gave me her last copy. She said it was his lifelong work. And she said he translated the Bible in a way that even children can understand it. And I was like, I absolutely love it. She says, it's not a paraphrase, it's a translation. And so look at verse 8. But God reassures us of His love for us in this way. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. And the question is, why would He do that? Right? And the answer is because He longs, verse 10, for a relationship with people like us. And so God went to work. He took the initiative to fix what was broken. And one of the main ways that God did this was through the faith of a guy by the name of Abraham. And I'm sure that probably the majority of you here this morning have heard of Abraham. If you haven't, uh, you can read his story in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. But God chose Abraham. Not because he was the greatest rule keeper. In fact, he really didn't even have the the rules yet. But God chose him because Abraham believed that God existed and he believed that God could do anything. Look at Romans chapter 4. Starting in verse 3, it says, Abraham, what church? believed God, and God counted him righteous because of his, what church? Because of his faith. You see, God comes to Abraham in his old age, and he makes some promises. First of all, he tells Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. Secondly, he promises to give him a new home. 
And then thirdly, he promises, and this is probably the most important, he says, one day I'm going to bless the whole world through you, which was a foreshadowing of the coming of Jesus into the world to bring salvation and forgiveness to restore that broken relationship with people like us. But here's his story. Genesis 15, starting in verse 5, the Lord takes Abraham outside, and this is what he says to him. Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants that you will have. And here's the deal. All those descendants are going to come through a son that you are going to have with your wife, Sarah. Now this was a really big deal. God makes this promise to Abraham and God never breaks a promise. And God reminds us of that throughout Scripture. He says, listen, I'm faithful. I keep my promises. You can count on me. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my what, church? But my word remains. In other words, you can count on His word. When God makes a promise, He will be faithful to it. Numbers chapter 23 verse 19 reminds us of this. God is not human that He should be, that He should lie, nor a human being that He should change His mind. Does He speak and then not act? Does He promise and not fulfill? No. He has a perfect track record. God always keeps His promise. Well, God gives Abraham this promise that he's going to make him the father of a great nation. And those descendants would come through a son that he and his wife Sarah would have together. Now, if they had been in their 20s or 30s, maybe in their 40s, okay, this would have been a lot easier. But what you have to understand is Abraham and Sarah at this time were in their 90s. And so look at Sarah's reaction to this promise in chapter 18 of the book of Genesis. She's kind of hanging out in the shadows, eavesdropping on the Lord and Abraham's conversation when the Lord says that they are going to have a baby. Look at her response. Verse 12, so she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out Woman like me enjoys such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also old. Notice she, she laughs. In other words, this is humorous. You mean I'm going to be changing diapers for a husband and a child? <laughs> this can't happen. It isn't going to happen. Verse 13, notice the, the Lord's response. He says to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard 
for the Lord? He says, I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. And then you look at verse 15 and notice what Sarah tries to pull here. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it. I didn't laugh, but the Lord said, no, you did. You laughed. But even though it was far-fetched and absolutely insane, it was God making the promise, and Abraham knew that God was a promise keeper. Right? I mean, you go back to chapter 15, verse 6, and it says, And Abraham, why church? Abraham believed the Lord. And in Genesis 21, we see the Lord kept His word. He did for Sarah exactly what He promised. After battling infertility for years and going way past the childbearing age, when Abraham was a hundred and Sarah was ninety-one, she gave birth to the child that God had promised. Then you jump from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Romans chapter 4, 4 again. It says in verse 17, that is what the Scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham, what church? Believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. That's awesome. Right, it's, it's this right here that helps us cope when we're dealing with a loved one who is severely sick. It's this right here that helps us to cope when we're at the graveside of a loved one. I mean, our heart breaks, we cry, we grieve. However, we don't grieve without hope because we know that God really can bring dead things back to life and He really is making all things new. Amen? And so in verse 18, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations for... Why? For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Listen, there is a difference between believing in God and believing God. There are a lot of people who believe that God exists. James even tells us in James chapter 2 that the demons believe that God exists. The question is, do we believe God? Do we believe that we can trust His Word? Do we believe that He is faithful to do what He says He will do? Do we trust His character? Do we trust His work on the cross for our behalf? Do we trust His bigger view? Do we trust His bigger wisdom? Do we trust His power for inside-out transformation? Do we trust His love? Do you, do I, walk in faith? Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. 
I love what Brennan Manning says, to trust is to be convinced of the reliability of God. And I believe that even though there was no reason for hope, that's why Abraham kept hoping because he was absolutely convinced of the reliability of God. In fact, go back to chapter 4 of Romans, verses 19 through 20 now. And Abraham's faith did not what, church? It didn't weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, listen, I've read the Genesis account, and Abraham's faith wavered. No, Abraham wavered. Right? Abraham's patience wavered. Abraham thought, man, okay, this isn't happening quick enough. I'm going to have to help God out a little bit. We're going to have to speed this process up. But listen, Abraham never stopped believing that it was going to happen. And so in verses 20 through 21... It says, in fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. Why? Because he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Listen, write this down this morning. God's faithfulness is his gift to us. And our trust is our gift back to Him. Abraham and Sarah trusted God. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, the Faith Hall of Fame, right? That's where you'll find Abraham and Sarah mentioned again. It was by faith. Even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She, what church? She believed that God would keep His She was convinced of the reliability of God. She believed. Verse 12, And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky, in the sand on the seashore, there was no way to count them. Always remember this if you don't get anything else out of the lesson today. God can do anything. Absolutely anything except break His promises. He is faithful. He is a promise keeper. Therefore, don't let your circumstances dictate your faith. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 says, So let us hold unswerving. In other words, don't let your circumstances take you off course. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for He who promised is what church? Is faithful. There's a really cool passage in Hebrews 11, verses 13 through 16. This is what it says. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. 
They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they would have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Are you ready for this? He's made us that same promise. We have a better place waiting for us. A heavenly home, Revelation 21. A city without evil, without pandemics, without hospitals. A place where only goodness and love is present. But until that day comes, for all of us, guess what He promises? His presence. Matthew 28, 20. His peace, John 14, 27. He promises us His wisdom, James 1, 5. And His direction, John 16, 13. He promises to give us His Spirit to help us have the faithfulness and the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the gentleness and all those things that are mentioned in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. He promises to make a way for us to escape any temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He promises to never leave us or forsake us, Hebrews 13, 5. He promises that nothing can separate us from His unfailing love, Romans 8, 38. He promises that He is coming back and will make all things new, Revelation 21, 5. That's God's promise. And we can believe Him. He will never lie to us. He'll never con us or, or scam us or mistreat us. He won't say one thing and do something else. His yes means yes and His no means no because in His character there is not a hint of deceit or shadiness. As we just sung, He is faithful. You can believe Him. You can trust Him. Walk by faith. Don't just believe in Him. Believe Him. Like I said from the very beginning, I think most of us would say we'd rather see a sermon than hear one. And so God says, here you go. Luke 9, 51, as the time drew near for His return to heaven, talking about Jesus, He moved steadily onward toward Jerusalem with an iron wheel. That's what faithfulness looks like when it's lived out. And in fact, let me ask you, what would you do if you knew that in order to keep a promise to an old man thousands of years ago that a cross would be in your future. What would you do if you knew that in order to restore the broken relationship with people like us, that you would be rejected, mocked, spat upon, flogged, and nailed to a cross? Knowing all of that, would you move steadily onward towards Jerusalem? 
to the cross with an iron wheel. Jesus did. He had a choice and He chose us. Because He keeps His promises. And the question is this morning, have you given your life to Him? Have you surrendered your life to the only one who is always faithful? Who gave up His only Son so that your sins could be dealt with on the cross. This morning, if you have given your life to Jesus, have you been faithful to Him? Have you been faithful to others? I'll close out with this verse. I love this verse. I hope this encourages you today because like I said from the very beginning this morning, we all have times when we are less faithful than we should be. But here's the good news, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is what church? Faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And it may be that you're here this morning as a child of God and you've been unfaithful to God and there's some sort of sin that's been keeping you distant in your relationship with Him and, and you need to confess it today. Or it may be that today you need to come forward confessing that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that you believe through the power of His blood which you can put on in baptism all your sins can be washed away. Whatever the case may be, if you need to respond today, won't you come as together we sing this song?